How are you doing? This is Lance Henriksen, and I'm Skyping from the a planet newly discovered, and you're on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Good evening, everybody. Am I Skype wouldn't unmute there for a minute. The button just stuck, which is kind of interesting. Ah, and welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's Talkcast 190, and it is Thunder Boomer Night here, uh, deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 5 Alien Infirmary. Due to constant nosebleeds, the elevators are slowing down. Directly adjacent to the virtual fire pit, where tonight everything is half on, next to the Pound Puppy Puppy Pond, I am the Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight, some of the usual suspects, missing some others. In the Revere Time Vortex, violent soundboard vixen, chief architect of all that is technical, queen of unstable petroleum byproducts, and unstable herself, it's Kriana. In, in there somewhere. <laughs> From the four-color... I'm an unstable element. I've decayed. She's decaying, ah. even as we speak. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely ingenue, the woman who is both red-hot, icy cold, and a blinding light in a universe of darkness. She knows the meaning of the word left, which is interesting. It's the dead redhead. In honor of Project Runway starting up again next week, plaid is the new black. Only in Latvia. But that's okay. <laughs> our guest tonight is uh, a producer, a director, a writer of the new movie coming out shortly called You're Dead, Jay Spence. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. We'll be talking about You're Dead, the, the whole project, how it got started, where it is, where it's going, and, and all the cool stuff with that in the second half of the show. We want to start off tonight with a fond farewell to... Uh, a really, really cool actor who died this past week, Victor London. Victor London is not a name that you probably remember, but if you were a fan of Star Trek, the original series, Victor London, who played the first Klingon, died June 29th after uh, a fairly long illness. He was a character actor who played, interestingly enough, tough guys, he ended up. He started playing science in science fiction with Robinson Crusoe on Mars, where he played Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it wasn't a great one. <laughs> no, it was. And not. in Babylon Five, he played a Psychor official. Yay, um, Psychor! Psychor's mother, Psychor's father. Okay, calm down. <laughs> one of the one of the original uh, episodes of Star Trek was written by Gene Kuhn, who, who wrote a lot of that very first 15 or 20 episodes. And in uh, this third episode called Errand of Mercy was uh, where Victor London 
first came to the screen as a Klingon. Rest in peace. He the gold lame, right? Yes. He, he, <laughs> had, he had the gold lame bandolier, but he didn't have the uh, ridges. Ah. Uh, because uh, in the original series, they did not. That's right. The forehead ridges. He went on, and it, interestingly, in Deep Space Nine, uh, reprised that role. So, you know, like almost 15, 20 years later, he played that same part again. The same character? or The same it? character in, in what was one of those reboot episodes where they went back uh, and the Deep Space Nine crew ended up on the Enterprise A. It was one of those really odd ones of theirs. Huh. Oh, you mean the one where with the triples? Mm, yes. Actually, yes. That's exactly That's my favorite one. episode of that series. Of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so anyhow, he is gone. The first Klingon has left the building. That's sad. Mm. So for those of you who watched Sharknado this week... <laughs> oh no, there were crap loads. Are you kidding? No kidding. Do you know they're already making Sharknado 2? They are. They are. And that just means that Ian Ziering has a, yet another job with Tara Reid. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary. It's very frightening. Uh, Except Tara Reid being in a movie. I, the whole thing is frightening. Uh, with flying sharks. And I saw the the scene where the guy jumps inside the shark and then cuts his way with a chainsaw out of the shark from the inside out. It's the best, isn't it? It's like, oh, are sharks hollow? I didn't know they were hollow. <laughs> On the Sci-Fi Channel, virtually everything can be hollow. Well, that's true. Good point, though. So what else is going on? Well, um, we got some things like... Uh, now, I have to say, speaking of sci-fi, I'll throw this out there. Okay. X, and I, X and I decided to check out these new shows they've been pushing. So we watched, well, I watched two episodes of Continuum. Okay. Which I should say it was about a one, one and a half. And then we've already watched three episodes of Defiance. Um, so I will say that as far as their new shows go, Defiance is definitely an interesting show and a decent show to watch versus Continuum, which bored me to pieces. Well, only because Continuum's been done thousands of times. I mean, there's nothing new there. It's true. And it just, it went on. There was, no, at least with Defiance, Defiance isn't that new either, but they've got this really cool other races, especially the ones who are all white and have that weird texture to their skin. Yeah, what yeah, they, 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 they're playing a bunch of different cards at the same time. They're playing a dystopian America. Mm -hmm. they're, they're playing uh, survival of the human race in an, an alien environment that's not an alien environment. A terraformed Earth, that's right. Yep. And uh, then the addition of multiple races from outside the Earth habitat. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And it, sometimes it gets convoluted and isn't quite, um, it, it loses coherence, but overall it's, it's got a much nicer feel to it. Well, it also has Julie Benz, who <laughs> anybody is a fan of Buffy 
they know that that's Darla. And she got a little well, chubby, though, didn't she? I think she, well, she's a little older. She's, what, 10, 15 I'm years? I'm not saying she doesn't have license to. I'm just saying, But no, I'm just pointing out the fact that X had to go run because as soon as I saw, saw her, his hearing went again from the time I screamed out, Darla's pregnant! During, <laughs> and then when we were still watching. So he had flashbacks, is what you're saying. Right, when we were watching Angel. And then... For here's a crossover out of nowhere. The one we watched last night, which I guess is the third episode. Um, the guy who played Brian, the actor who played Brian Kinney from Queer as Folk. Oh, Jesus. And wow, it was cool. like, He's holy really crap, great Brian at being a douchebag. <laughs> it's not a douchebag. But, but seriously, seriously, actors who get pudgy like is, is there something okay now I'm, now I'm going on to male actors for a minute there i'm sidetracking this conversation That's, oh i know exactly where you're going complain yeah. about male actors male actors get so pudgy when they age like okay david boreanaz he doesn't look I that pudgy if you're watching one. bones like he, he looks like he's in pretty good shape right then you go back and look at angel and you're like holy crap he got so fat uh, and they well, talk about women no, I no seriously though. Like, it, yep. do like Google search really quick, image search this, and do a side by side comparison. You're like, either he was anorexic, or damn. No, he he was cut back then. There's same, no question about same it. Same thing with, and I love this man dearly, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Oh God, He's you know, I've got to tell you, we went to go see uh, Much Ado About Nothing uh, this past weekend, which, by the way. Maybe Joss Whedon's best film ever. Nothing oh. genre, but it may be the best film he's ever made. Uh, I would argue that much ado about nothing is certainly genre. Well, that is high right. fantasy. Yeah, I suppose in that respect, especially the way he's done it. Um, and we're sitting there, <clears throat> and the entire film is basically all of Joss's buddies from every one of his shows. So you're sitting there, you're you're going, Buffy. Angel, Firefly, Dollhouse. Who the hell is that? Oh, it's, it's from Dollhouse. That's the guy. <laughs> you're sitting, you're sitting there, and they're they're just the setting is modern day. The the dialogue is all strict Shakespearean, and normally it takes you about 15, 20 minutes to get comfortable with that. It took me ten, but oh my god, Nathan Fillion in this looks so chunky. Well, I, I mean, if you've been watching Castle, and again, and then you but go... But it's been gradual, it, It's you know? been gradual, and you don't really notice it, and you're like, yeah, this guy, he's Captain Mal, hooray! Take a look and, at and Mal. Then, and then the other day, we turned Firefly on, and I was like, he's a freaking baby! He looks <laughs> 17! What's going on? This brown coat doesn't even fit him right! People oh. age, dear. Yeah, they do. Lord knows. And men just get fat. This is what I've hey, learned. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to stick with Creon on that one because usually it's women that they say it's like, oh, look at her. She's put on so much weight. Well, you know what? Well, it's you look at when you're 18, you it's that. another thing when you're 35. Mm. <laughs> but everybody's always like, but look at the guys. So, you know what? It's okay to hear a complaint about the guys putting on some weight, too. I suppose you're entitled. I suppose you're entitled. Um, remember the TV show Heroes? Yes. Why? 
mean the first season that was great and the rest of them that sucked? Oh, sorry. No. no. Wait, first... what? Didn't it get canceled after the first season, like Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> nice try. But they ran the episodes out of order. Same as, never mind. Uh, first season was terrific. Second yeah. season was killed by the writer's strike. Third season was killed by the second season. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were two more seasons. Uh, well, it's actually coming back. But it's coming back the way Buffy and Angel did in comic form. And the first look at it, uh, we have some uh, pages in a first look of it. And it's going to be season seven in the same way that Buffy is season eight and season nine. Uh, it looks kind of cool. It looks like it's moving back into what season one was like. But it's all going to be in comic book form. It looks absolutely terrific. That's because they don't have to pay actors this time. <laughs> they don't have to pay actors to look weird about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, they don't have to bring what's his name over from Japan or any of that stuff. Nisa yeah. Versa? You're right. <laughs> oh, good lord. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I'm going to have fun with it. I, I have I have my stupid news of the week. Uh huh. A U.S. national park like Yellowstone or the Great Smoky Mountains on the moon. What? And here's why. Because Congress, our American Congress, you know, those idiots we've elected who can't do jack shit. This is what they've decided they can do. A bill has been introduced in Congress to endow the artifacts as a national historic park thereby asserting unquestionable ownership rights of the Apollo lunar landing artifacts and the moon. So that's going to be Warehouse 14. The moon is, there, is, there literally <laughs> is a bill to make the moon a U.S. national park. Oh, boy, the Russians might have something to say about that. Do you think... Do you think Representative Donna Edwards, a Democrat of Maryland, and Eddie Bernice Johnson of Texas. Bernice. Bernice, I swear to God, that's his name. The Lunar <laughs> Landing Legacy Act, H.R. Bill 2617. So that, it, okay, so it's a, it's a two-pronged kind of deal here. Number one, so that pirates can't come in and raid the plunder of all the hardware we've left on the moon. What? You heard me. There's so many jokes I could make right now, and none of them are really appropriate, so I'm not going to say any. I was going to say, there isn't much that's appropriate about this. And second, it gives us right to ownership of the moon. Is this kind of like... In all these states that keep trying to secede or parts of the states. I don't, I don't really think this one's going to work because Vladimir Putin still has the, the Super Bowl ring from the Patriots. <laughs> I don't believe that one for a minute either. And he's right. going to hold that one over the U.S.'s head. So the, the legislature now says that they're going to pass this bill. Meanwhile, the United Nations Treaty that reads, Outer space is not subject to national appropriation by claim or sovereignty, by means of use or occupation, or any other means. So we're once again taking on the rest of the world to make the moon a national park. 
going on? <laughs> Go ahead. So I can, I did make a note that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's gained a lot of fans from since he was on Third Walk from the Sun, um, who was actually one of the few people worth watching in the last Batman movie. Other than, oh, um, what was that movie that he was in with, uh, what was it, Loopers? I wanted to see that. That was a good flick. It, it didn't get a lot of traction, but that was a fun ride. With, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what's his name? Mm -hmm. The guy. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, that's it. Yeah, that was <laughs> really you, good, actually. It was a good film, yeah. So what about him? So they're looking at him as playing Stephen Strange in a Doctor Strange movie. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Because yeah, yeah. I love my Doctor Strange. You know, there's certain characters that we all have. And one of mine is Wonder Woman, which I wish to God they'd leave alone. And <laughs> another one that I really like is Doctor Strange. And I just get concerned of what they're going to do with him. And, you know, Joseph is kind of short. No offense to him. I actually do think he's a great actor. I think he's come leaps and bounds um i think he should not even Since be remembered for yeah. rock he really is a great actor um is he wasn't he also in inception yes he was yeah he was yeah, he, he's done some fairly cool genre roles and done handled them quite well I, I you know dr strange is not one of my favorite characters by any stretch of the imagination but uh yeah he he might do a good job doing that but it's just Stephen Strange is supposed to, you know, he's kind of has the whole Bruce Wayne thing. He's this before his accident. Sorry if that's a spoiler to you who've never Doctor Strange before. Um, <laughs> before his accident, and he couldn't be a doctor anymore. Um, he was this mega play rich playboy, and I don't know if I see Joseph Gordon-Levitt that way. I mean, I could, I suppose, but. I don't know. He's just kind of short. I kind of I don't have as strong as a re reaction as when they first said that Michael Keaton was going to play Batman, which I threw up. I'm sorry, but um, I'm sorry that first Batman, that first Batman was terrific. I will disagree I with you. I can't stand the Michael time. Keaton. I can't stand Michael Keaton pretty much doing anything. <laughs> um, we're, not, we're not talking Mr. Mom here. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm serious. I got serious issues with with Michael Keaton. So unless he wants to come on the show, which he probably won't now. Well, not after that. But if he ever wants to come on the show, I'll be more than happy to to talk to him about some of his issues. But um, <laughs> but I'm just saying that he probably was one of the suckiest Bruce Waynes ever on the planet. And wait, 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 wait. Pretty Boy played him with the bat suit with nipples. George. Clooney with the bat suit with nipples. No, thank you. Well, I didn't watch that one. I gave that up. was just creepy. No, I gave up on that one. But I'm saying that of the ones you watched, of the one which didn't get much past into three, I'll be completely honest, because I started to just lose it. Um, he just isn't. He wasn't Bruce Wayne, and I'm just not sure that I see. Mr. Gordon Levitt is a pretty boy millionaire. He could he could poss possibly prove me wrong though. I'm willing to let him prove me wrong. Yeah. 
I think his acting chops in, in the past couple of years, uh, I mean, it's worth the shot. It's absolutely worth the shot. You know, you did mention Wonder Woman. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, you absolutely mentioned Wonder Woman. No, I and did. I, but... And, I, and I'm going to bring up uh, something that you're going to hate, but will uh -huh. eventually like. Um, our buddy Doug Jones of, of Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and all that neat stuff uh, is in a new short film called First Impressions. Yes. Uh, which is a terrifically interesting origin for what could be a Wonder Woman series. Yes. And it, it hints could. at it quite nicely. Uh, even, even though, you know, I may have just played spoiler du jour there, but too bad. Uh, I'm going to put a link uh, on the show post for first impressions, just because anything by Doug Jones, anything that Doug Jones is in is totally worth watching. Uh, and he's terrific in this. It's a short film. It's like five and a half minutes. And uh, also uh, to get some impressions from uh, the, the viewers and the listeners as to what they think about that. Because it's, uh, well, you, you got a chance to see it. What did you think? I did, Dom. I really enjoyed that. I actually, I I thought they were going there. And then I thought, no, they're not going there. And then I thought, oh, they are going there. And, and But it was fun. I thought it was very fun. For a minute, I actually, in between watching it for a second, I thought I was actually seeing part of the new Kick-Ass, too. Because I understand, you know, Hit Girl grew up and stuff. But. But no, this was good. I enjoyed it. There's also a, a second short film that uh, I'm going to pop on the uh, on the page. It's a short film called Abe. Um, now, Abe is done by a guy by the name of Rob McClellan. It's a nine-minute film. And in nine minutes, he plays Creep Out unbelievably. That was really creepy. Um, that was very creepy. And I'm kind of amazed, kind of amazed at, at a number of levels between Abe and, uh, and First Impressions as to what's going on in YouTube now. The level of, of, I hate to say professionalism because that actually demeans what it is to do. The le level of competency in storytelling, in cinematography, in, uh, 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 special effects work, the whole thing uh, of, of what's going on with it all of a sudden. And I don't know if it's because I'm old and I just didn't expect this or, or what. But, oh my goodness. Well, I'm uh, sure that's something that maybe our guest could talk about when he comes on is, um, it, Jay, if you want to jump in on that part, that since trying to get something to a studio is pretty ridiculous at this point when somebody can actually use the internet to start getting fans. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah that's, it's, that's the place to go to. It's it's, just, it seems to be such a common thing now for people to essentially make films from their house and show off all their skills. And then everyone takes notice, including the studios. And I don't know if I've seen a lot of people, uh, I've heard a lot of people getting a lot of notice and a lot of uh, attention and even maybe even signing some contracts with studios, but I haven't yet seen it really uh, take off 
or really make anybody's career yet. I think the last time I really heard something like that would have been uh, Sky Captain and World Tomorrow. Right. Where his short film basically became a feature film overnight. But yes. then again, that film didn't exactly take off the box office. So No, it didn't. But I mean, literally five years ago, that what that didn't exist in any way, shape, or form. And what did exist at that point was never at that level of competency and that, that level of uh, technical sophistication. So w when you add the, the ability for uh, anyone to have the technical capacity to do things like that yes. and, and the platform like that to show it off on, and if you combine that with decent writing or a decent story or a really good idea, uh, my God, some of the stuff we're seeing there is just, just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing, which at this point takes us to the halfway point in our show, at which point we look at Facebook and say, we had a poll this week. How'd it go? We did. Wow. We're actually at halfway already. Goodness. Yep. We um, kind of are. <laughs> so we actually were trying to figure out a poll and what we came up with in, in uh, honor of the new Wolverine movie coming out. And everybody starts making fun of, well, Wolverine, what if he did this? What if he did that? So what we asked our fans is... Based on his skills, if he wasn't a superhero, what job would Wolverine get? What would be the best guess for a job for Wolverine? And we would like to do a shout out to our one of our favorites, Christy Schoonover. Uh, Christy <laughs> got into a nice discussion. With me, oddly enough. <laughs> about seeing Wolverine tearing his shirt off a lot. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got this. If no one has said this yet. Dentist. I don't think we had a dentist, Kriana. No, we didn't. All right. Exploded. I win. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually have three clear winners. Can you believe nice. it? Nice. That's very rare. Clear winners. It was not any of the ones that Christy wanted. Um, because Christy it, wanted the male stripper. Christy wanted the male stripper. <laughs> that didn't quite win. What we did have is coming in at number three, which was one of my favorites, I have to admit. We're not supposed to have favorites, but we do. Uh, one of my we, favorites we, is, we can have favorites. Is Wolverine would be great at Boston Comic Con security. Yeah, it probably would too. We'll be needing him in a couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> um, coming in at number two, this one I thought was very creative Top Chef. Because, I mean, think of the knives, you know? Chop, 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 chop. He could make Julian fries in no time flat. He could do a chopped salad very easily without very a Very easily. There you go. All set. And coming in at number one, which is kind of like being a superhero without the glory, I suppose, is overwhelmingly people voted that Wolverine should be a stuntman for the movies. Well, the reason That's is... I'm so lame. But if he hurts himself, he just heals. He's fine. Exactly. Yeah. That works for me. How would you I, feel I, like having Wolverine standing over you with your mouth clamped open going, all right, open wide, because if you don't, I'll slice your face off. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. know what kind of mood Kriana's in tonight. <laughs> An awesome one, obviously. Can I cast a late vote? Absolutely. Sure. I did, so you certainly get to. 
I, my initial thought was, uh, I feel like you have to use both of his skills, the claws and the healing. Uh-huh. And I thought a fun idea would be to be a, uh, a mountain guide, someone who takes you oh. uh, mountain climbing. So he doesn't need the gear. He doesn't even need the safety equipment. And if he hurts and breaks himself, he heals back up. But you don't need the pickaxe or any of the equipment to climb. Everyone else does. But, you know, it's helpful. That's creative, Jay. I like that one. And then if he gets mad and kills someone, he can just blame it on the mountain. There you go. (laughs) It was the Yeti! It it was the, uh... It was Frostbite. Pay no attention to those lacerations. (laughs) (laughs) So that was actually a fun one. We had... That's one of our more popular polls. Well, I think it was the... You know, we're, we're coming into the doldrums of summer where... Everybody's either at the beach or listening to us, as they should. As they should. (laughs) So anyhow, time to bring in our guest again and reintroduce him, Jay Spence. Jay is the writer, producer, director, and uh, all-around guy for the new movie, You're Dead. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So... So, Jay, we hear there could be another name, because since this is on air, we can swear a lot. What's the real name of it? Oh, great. What do you really nice start out as? Swear. Huh? I said I always like a nice opportunity to swear. Well, please, please go for do. it. <laughs> well, the original title of the film uh, always was uh, You're Fucking Dead. Uh, <laughs> written in the comic book style originally, you know, obviously it'd, be a, it'd make a, for a difficult DVD cover, so... I thought we'd put the uh, the uh, amber sand, the exclamation, the, the pound sign, all that, just like in the comic books. And that was the initial title for most of the time going into it when we were doing pre-production. And uh, after uh, some initial fundraising, we decided it was easier to pitch it to some people. Uh, some people really loved it, and those people who love that genre or horror, any of those kind of genre films at all, it... it it rings well with them, but uh, trying to convince your grandmother to help you out on a yeah. film like that is, is tough. <laughs> so uh, we found it easier to just change it for now. That way we could put it on posters and, and everywhere else we needed to do to promote it. And then we figured we'd make that decision later on, whether or not we'd stay with it or, or go back to the original title. Chances are we may go back to the original title, but we're kind of leaving that as a surprise for when we have a trailer. You can leave it with the ampersand and stuff, just like, you know, shit my dad says, or... <laughs> exactly, yeah. That We, we certainly can't go... You can't actually show it, uh, at least not on the uh, the promotional art and posters. I know no studio who would want to distribute it would probably uh, be able to sell it if we act... Obviously, if you literally spelled out the word. But, probably uh, right. not. Probably not. So, we'll... the, we started off... How... Rewinding slightly... <laughs> When did you? When did this start? The whole project. Um, when well, did you start writing this movie? I think I probably started writing it at least, probably three years ago. Now, it's probably when I first got the initial idea, and it's kind of gone through a few incarnations since. But uh, up until the day we rolled camera was probably three years. Mm. Okay. So you wrote it, and then you realized. You know, this is actually a good script. I can see this as a movie. I've seen it as a movie all the way through. Then comes the funding process. Now, you ran a Kickstarter uh, 
for this, and it was a very modest Kickstarter. You only wa you only asked for three thousand dollars, dude. Yes, uh, you 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 actually almost tripled that. Yes, we lucked out definitely. Uh, the the dirty little secret that we don't like to advertise too much is it was actually our second Kickstarter attempt. Ah, almost six to eight months before that, we started a, a Kickstarter, and uh, we actually my initial goal was thirty thousand. And that was sort of a safe number. That was our, uh, that was our, we'll almost be able to do whatever we want. To, you know, to, we can spend whatever we want. We'll be able to pay everybody and we'll be able to have plenty of money to, to do all the elaborate things that the initial script actually had in it. And uh, when it came time to do it again, um, I think not only the, the amount being lower helped, but uh, we were just in a different place place marketing wise uh, a lot more people were familiar with our film uh, we've done a lot of local um, fundraising as well so a lot of people uh, were more aware of the film than they were the initial time so one of the reasons that you're able to make this film is that well three thousand dollars was never going to pay for the whole film yeah it would be true yeah so you went out and grabbed some other alternative funding sources at the same time that's correct. So how much, from a realistic standpoint, how much is this film actually going to cost to make? When all is said and done, probably closer to 15. Nice. Still. Nice. I mean, we're, we, are, we are doing it the old-fashioned way. The, we are, this is guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, we, we obviously, there are costs... And we're, we're certainly making good use of the money we've made on Kickstarter and our other fundraising attempts. Um, but uh, it, it's certainly by the skin of our teeth. And, uh, you know, we're getting as much bang for our buck as we can. And uh, we just cut back a little bit on the initial concepts. Um, our initial draft, I had envisioned uh, sort of our main character drives around a vehicle the vehicle sort of as a character into itself. It's uh, because of the, the grindhouse nature of the film, uh, muscle cars would be playing uh, a heavy right. amount of the movie. And uh, she was... Trans Ams. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she was going to drive something a little more modified. Nothing too elaborate. Nothing like Knight Rider or anything. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, the new Knight Rider with the modified, you know, brand new car. It wasn't going to be like that. But we had... It's something a little elaborate. And what we did instead was we went with a traditional kind of already available muscle car. And then we got that for free, luckily, through a, uh, a good friend of our production who has donated the car temporarily nice. to the cause. So your Kickstarter comes through. You get some other funding. You have it together. What happens from that point on? What are you doing while that's going on? While we're raising the money? Um, yeah. It's, it, I mean, while we were raising the money, we were still doing a little bit of last minute casting. Uh, we actually, one of our fundraising attempts was a local uh, bar party or a party we threw at a bar. They were nice enough to host us. Um, a nice, uh, the nice guys down at Banditos in downtown Baltimore. And uh, that place they just sounds like a party. It, it's, it's a really <laughs> great place. They recently remodeled just before we got there. And it's a very, it's a very cool bar already. And they were nice enough to give us about half their space to invite people 
and uh, we got some drink specials through uh, some sponsorships, and we also made it a casting party, so people could come and socialize, but also bring their resume and literally read lines for us. We kind of set off a secondary area behind a curtain. And, oh, very uh, cool idea. Had them yeah, read. This wasn't one of the bars where they they did any of the wire shootings, was it? I, I couldn't say. I don't think so. Sorry, and, I was just a little obsessed with the wire, that's all. <laughs> for the past month, anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's, I wouldn't recommend it normally to do casting that way. It was very difficult because it got very loud there and which makes it difficult. And we were videotaping them. So it was a matter of trying to like, you know, have audio that we'd actually be able to listen to the tapes and be able to make those good decisions. But we were able to to find a very good cast. And, you know, we're really excited about that because what we have so far is looking really great. Cool. And, okay, so where are you at with the process now? You're still shooting? We are. We are almost exactly 50% finished our production. Um, we, we're looking at about 14 days of filming, and we've knocked out seven of them so far. Wow. We're, uh, we took a, a two-week break due to the uh, 4th of July holiday and some other scheduling conflicts, and we're picking it right back up this weekend. And then we continue on from there until uh, mid-August. You're a nice director. You give them the holiday off. <laughs> well, if everyone's going to be able to donate their time and, you know, and work as hard as they have so far, we figured, you know, we can always take a step back and let everyone live their lives, have a weekend here and there, and then uh, come back and, and hit the ground running. What does it look like in terms of uh, a final project being done? What's, wh where's your time frame go from this point? I'll be spending most of the fall at doing the editing and the post work. Um, I would hope we plan to have a premiere, a local premiere in the Baltimore area and, uh, you know, somewhere in a theater. And uh, that'll probably be in the winter, maybe November. We haven't given ourselves too hard of a date yet for the release itself, but uh, we're, we're always keeping it in mind. And once, once it's finished, once the project is done, how will listeners be able to see the film? Where will they be able to go? Will they be able to buy a DVD? Will they be able to get a download off a website? That's the plan. I mean, initially, obviously, our Kickstarter people will get their copies of DVD and downloads. That was all offered to them. So they'll be one of the first ones to really get a good look at it, unless they're at the premiere, of course. And uh, after that, it's going to be a matter of um, hitting some uh, festivals, either locally and internationally. And uh, probably focusing a lot on the genre festivals. Um, well, there are a couple of big ones up in this area. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, that's obviously to get some buzz. And uh, we'll be touring that and looking for a distributor at the same time. And then hopefully once that deal goes through, we would hopefully be picked up by somebody, in which case uh, the DVDs and the download would be available to everybody. Jay, tell us a little bit about the movie. Well, the movie, uh, in its simplest form, is a, a grindhouse film. It's meant to pay awesome. an homage to the old the old seventies film uh, style. It's meant to feel a little rough, and uh, you know, a little a dynamic that way. Um, we're trying to take the elements of horror, action, and the grindhouse all together. Um, I try not to call it just a horror film because it's not really meant to be scary. 
Um, it's going to have its fair share of gore. Um, like I said, it's got some action. It's got muscle cars. Um, it's it's a little bit of everything. I meant to make it more of an adventure than just a strictly people say trapped in a building trying to escape ghosts, monsters, zombies, that kind of deal. Um, the story is about two sisters who um, are on the road um, and end up in a town that's not on any map. It's kind of a lost town. Um, you don't even get cell phone reception there. It's just this desolate wasteland. And uh, they meet the town folk, and they're a very strange group of guys and girls. But uh, it's a very unusual town, and, and essentially it's sort of completely cut off from the rest of America. And uh, so much so that they kind of have their own martial law. And eventually, uh, you know, things get a little crazy. And uh, one of the sisters uh, is taken. And so the, uh, the remaining sister, her name is Lexi, and her sister's name is Beth. And when Beth is kidnapped, Lexi uh, goes on a mission through the night to systematically hunt down the men who took her and uh, find her way back to her sister. I'd say that. <laughs> yeah definitely it sounds so you're uh, going a little planet planet terror there with it yeah i suppose that, yeah i guess it is a little bit um and and we're not going any kind of zombies it's it's supernatural to an extent but it's actually more based in reality than anything else um so the violence and everything else is is meant to be a little bit more real and it, it literally is lexi sort of fighting for her life all night trying to uh just trying to get her sister back so it's an adventure as she she goes to take on each villain, um, oftentimes separately. She sort of kind of makes her way to one guy and then uh, interrogates him or, or finds some sort of clue that leads her to the next guy. And she's just constantly trying to find where, where, they, where they've kept her. And she discovers some secrets about the town along the way. Cool. So the tagline for the movie is, if you push someone over the edge, make sure they can't crawl back up that's correct <laughs> i like it okay you've you've got us so <laughs> <laughs> so what got you interested in doing a movie on your own where did that come from have you have you is this your first movie this is my first feature um i've done some shorts um i did a lot of video production in the past um, but nothing of this scale um, it, it sort of came to a, a boiling point where I decided I'd always wanted to make a feature. I'd always wanted to make films since college. And I, I studied in animation and film. And, and I got to a point where I just, I absolutely had to take that step. Um, I thought about making some more shorts, going that route, sort of like what you were talking about earlier with the First Impressions movie and Abe. And, you know, you put mm -hmm. enough shorts on there, maybe you win a few awards, maybe someone will notice you, but... At this point, it had been so long, and I, and I just needed to finally just make a feature film and just get that sort of, like, you know, pulling a Band-Aid off. Just do it now, get it over with, and then just go from there. You know, obviously, I don't plan it to be my only movie, but uh, it always starts with the first one, so I just figured we just need to get, get it out there. So I noticed that a couple of the actors uh, that are listed in the movie, some of them have... Uh some movie and television experience, others not quite so much. So where, where did you find them, aside from opening up a bar and an open casting call at a bar? <laughs> well, I actually meant to comment when you said, why, why would I want to do a film 
what made me want to do a film on my own. And, and I was going to initially comment that I'm far from doing it on my own because I really do have a, a very extensive crew of people that I'm working with that are making this possible. Um, it's, it's a large part to do with them. Uh, I have uh, several producers on board for you know, different capacities coming from different experiences. And each one of them is really invaluable in helping this production getting this far. Um, and that's, that's where I got a lot of my cast from is through producers. Um, I initially started with one producer, Corey Williams. He has quite a bit of experience here in the Baltimore area producing films. He's got quite a few under his belt. Many of them are on DVD now. And uh, I, I initially came to him with the project and it was just him and I, and he sort of pointed us in the, pointed me in the right direction of, of who we would cast initially. And that was really Lexi, our main character. I wanted her early on just because she becomes, she's such a figurehead for the movie itself. You know, all the poster art is about her and, you know, we needed a face for the film, I felt. You know, if we were going to start promoting it and doing Kickstarter, I wanted that actress already set and ready so that she could talk about the film and promote it herself and, you know, be the face of the film. And uh, from there, it, it became a matter of uh, who knows what and who knows who around here and who, who works well with who. And uh, we threw some names out there and I watched some tapes or I watched some samples of their work and then, uh, and then, and then, you know, made my choices from there. So a lot of them came through that, you know, I'd met, either met them in person we talked and then I decided that they were what we needed or um, some people actually did do the audition. We, we held not only that audition at the party I was talking about, but another standard one in an office and people came, we had an open audition, and so we, we hired some people through that as well. So it's, a, it's quite a range of, of places. Well, your Lexi, I got to tell you, she, uh, from this shot anyway, on your IMDb page, quite Sarah Michelle Geller kind of looking. I had not thought about it that, but I would have to probably agree. With the blonde hair, and she's got the willowy frame, but you know you probably don't want to mess with her. She'll, she'll kick your ass. Do not screw with me, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what the poster says. Do not screw with me. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, uh, she's certainly not a bounty hunter or an assassin in the movie, but um, she is that. Uh, she is the tough one of the two girls of the sisters. She is the tomboy. She is the tough one. She is the one that plays um, the surrogate big brother to her other sister, Beth, who is much more girly and a little more. Um, you know, not wouldn't say innocent, but uh, she's she certainly depends upon her sister to uh, to play the big brother role. Nice. No, I think that's a pretty cool cover that you have on it that you're using for the art. And that was just I think our. It'll get a lot of people to look at it. Yeah, that, that was my hope. I mean, we'll we'll of course we'll be tweaking it a little bit. Um, hopefully, probably include some of our other actors on there. All that art was done. Um, often before we even had a lot of actors or other actors signed on. So the art will change, but uh, she obviously is our, our centerpiece. Now I have a question for you, Jay. You mentioned yourself. It's kind of an homage, that whole grindhouse piece. That has become quite popular lately. I just like to ask people, do you have any feelings about why that's suddenly such a big deal again? I mean, Dome and I remember this stuff the first time around from the Yeah, start. pretty much, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing quite a bit of it ourselves in, in probably grindhouses and other place, uh, in places where you don't necessarily want to sit on the seats. Um, 
but it's it's much popular again uh in things park to to rodriguez but i just wondered if you had any thoughts about what is so attractive do you think right now for the grindhouse kind of revenge flick it's it's true it certainly has become it has kind of blown up recently and i feel like from three years ago when i started writing it when i felt i was a little bit ahead of the curve i feel now in production that uh the fad has already kind of oh not passed me by but i feel like you get that impression like you're just one of the everybody else sometimes um like maybe if i'd gotten the movie made two years ago you know you'd be a visionary almost but uh it's it there's still room for it i think mm. i think the reason it's so popular um now is is not only obviously you have rodriguez do it and then of course you know it gets out there a lot of people are huge fans of him but in general i think it's the the nature of the look and the feel and it's it's similar to taking in like in our movie taking the horror genre but not being so dark with it that you can kind of have fun with it and that's kind of i think that's how a lot of people see those movies now i mean back then i don't know really whether or not their full intention was to have fun though a lot of it does seem to be pretty late. a lot of, a lot of it now looks much more campier than it was when it was first right. there exactly uh, so, just take it seriously back then oh it was it was unfortunately kind of. very serious back kind then. of <laughs> you look at it and you have a lot of fun now and you can kind of poke fun at how kind of silly everyone's dressed and how funny the special effects probably look now and but but I think the the fun is still there, and that's what kind of drew me to writing it this way now is I just want to have fun is what I want to do. I mean, obviously, I want the production to be fun for everyone involved. I want everyone to enjoy themselves, and I feel like that's what independent film is is at least half about. Um, not only just making a product, but like-minded individuals getting together. Doing and, what they like to do, yeah. Exactly, and that's why people do it for little to no money, to just to just do this, and it's like a hobby. Only, you know, eventually maybe you do get paid for it. But, uh, and hopefully that's the, you know, that's the end game for a lot of, you know, actors and crew members and things like that. But it's, I felt like it was a lot more fun. And I wanted, I wanted the audience to have fun too, so that we could have some seriousness. We could have some modern gore. We could have some of those great moments that people love about horror and the Grindhouse films. You know, that's what makes it is those elements it's uh you know the nudity the language the violence you know the, the cool cars you know the the gunplay but at the same time you know it's just a lot of fun and you can sort of lay back and and sit back and just enjoy it but for it to be something more than just a splatter film is really important because there's just a, a glut of people who go i can make a squib Sure. <laughs> and I mean that's so important that there's you know you've you've thought out the story you've got a process you've got actors who can act not just a guy who can punch the squib and watch his chest explode. That's hey, true. Not everybody can be H.G. Lewis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I definitely. I certainly could have just done a ghost movie, a zombie movie, and and that seems to be what a lot of people are doing when you don't have a lot of money. You know, you get. You get some teenagers together and you get a bunch of your friends and extras to play zombies. And, and you know, that, that seems to be kind of one of the easier routes to go. And there's obviously a market for that. But um, I wanted something a little different. 
And, uh, you know, I didn't want a movie about just some teenagers. And that's why I kind of, I wrote this story a little differently. It's, it's about two sisters and their relationship. It's, it's actually a lot of the movie is based on their relationship is, is driven by their relationship. So, uh, you know, I, I tried to approach it a little differently. And um, I, I initially actually, I, when I first came up with the idea, it was strictly a revenge film. It was only, it was, it was basically, uh, it started out as similar to uh, I Spit on Your Grave and those kind of films okay. where mm -hmm. one, one woman is wronged or raped or heaven forbid anything else. And, you know, she comes back for revenge, but uh, I realized that's kind of just overdone and I wanted there to be more to it. So okay. we kind of expanded on the idea. The trick to making this work, the trick to making any movie work, whether you're spending $10,000, $10 million, $100 million, if you don't have a good story that you have a passion for, then nothing else really is ever going to work. And, I mean, it sounds like, Jay, it sounds like you really, you know, you, you've really lived with this story for a while. You've really become a part of it. Uh, you've brought that out. You, you found the cast that you want for it. You found enough money to make a kind of vision that you wanted to make. So it sounds like you've totally invested yourself into this. Oh, yes. It's certainly taken over my life. I mean, if you're going to make a feature film, it's, it's going to take over your life from you know, the moment you write it to the moment it gets distributed. It's, it dominates everything about your life. H having worked uh, on Sci-Fi Saturday Night with a bunch of other uh, independent filmmakers, we've seen this happen a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this oh, is nothing yeah. new. So I, I, I want to wish you the best of luck with this. And I, I would love for you to just keep us informed of how things are moving forward with it. Uh, when you're ready to uh, bring it out, uh, let us know so that we can help promote it. This sounds like an awful lot of fun, Jay. It really does. Thank you. Thank you so much. All righty. And thank you for joining us tonight. Really appreciated having you on. Kriana, are you there with us? Yes, of course. Okay. There oh. you are. <laughs> did you miss me? I did miss you oh, because thanks. we're about to start. I was listening in rapt attention. Well, I noticed that and I was very pleased with that. <laughs> but you wanted the music, right? Yeah, so that we could uh, actually move into the next segment of the show where you talk to us for a few moments. The, good, the goodbye segment of the show, which would help if I actually had the calendar up. <laughs> See, this is this is how I was listening. I was so interested. <laughs> I totally. I was like, "Where am I? What am I doing?" All right, I'm doing the coming up calendar. So next week we have Christine Hassel of Geek Girl Con. On August third, we have P.J. Harsma, author of the Softwire books, creator of the Rings of Orbis online game, and co-founder of Kids Need to Read, one of our favorite charities. Absolutely. The next week in our series of PJs, we have PJ <laughs> Schneider, author of The Ministry Initiative, a steampunk Kickstarter. On the 17th, we have Brockton McKinney, writer, and Larkin Ford, the artist of M Theory. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out. It's pretty awesome. Action Lab Comics, guys. On August 24th, we have Michael J. Sullivan, epic fantasy author, best known for his Rearia Chronicles. Returning. Yeah, and I said it right too, Dom, so booyah. Yes, yes you did. Yes, you absolutely did. <laughs> and on August 31st, we have Jason Chen coming to talk to us about storybundle.com. 
Dead Redhead. Okay, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom! I want to thank Jay Stratford for joining us tonight. Wow, all of a sudden we get the echo. <laughs> and his movie, You're Dead, and we'll be hearing a lot more about that. Or you're fucking dead. Or either one, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I want to thank... I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways, and I kind of like it the other way, but what the Are heck? you a fan of Delicious Flavor? I am indeed. From the Revere Time Vortex, I want to thank you, Kriana, for joining us tonight. And say hi to Zombrarian when you see her. I will after I'm done infecting you with my waves. <laughs> from, from the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Redhead. Absolutely. Hugs to everybody in the chat room, if there's anybody. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. <laughs>